Welcome to the Sports Finder Podcast. Let's get ready to rumble! Sports Finder community, we're back with our regular show where we speak to great people from the world of sport. And today, it is no different. I have Mr. Patrick with me. Patrick, welcome to the show, buddy. How's things? Things are great. Really appreciate you having me on. Uh, Things are, obviously, it's a little crazy with everything going on with the coronavirus, but making it through and, you know, just trying to stay positive throughout. Absolutely. What a time to be alive uh, with corona. Um, 2020 has definitely brought a ton of surprises, but anyway, moving on, um, Patrick, before we get into where you're currently at and what you're currently doing, let's go back in time. Who was Patrick as a young man at school? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, I was, I was born and raised in South Florida, um, and, you know, went to the university of Florida and got a degree in sport management. So coming out of that, you know, when I, when I started the University of Florida, I really, in all honesty, didn't know what I wanted to do. I was a business major for my first couple of years in those huge classes and kind of fell into sport management. I uh, didn't know, you know, coming out of high school, didn't know that that was something that was even an option. And I really, you know, knew growing up an athlete that I wanted to work in sports and it was something I was passionate about and it allowed me to enter the space. And, you know, after, you know, four years at the University of Florida, I landed an internship with the Miami Dolphins and worked hard and really, you know, got the opportunity to stay on for 13 years there and just learned and grew under a lot of really great people uh, overall. Uh, and, you know, from there, kind of just got the opportunity here out in LA with the Chargers. So now you're currently with the Los Angeles Chargers. Um, talk to me through your journey. I mean, you spent some time with the Dolphins and coming, uh, coming over from South Florida to uh, California, you, you definitely would have seen a lot of changes in like there, there would have had to be a ton of adjustments. Well, what, what, what are some of your struggles, some of your challenges that, that you faced in your time at the, at the Dolphins or even go a bit before that? Like, what was the journey getting to the Dolphins? That's, that's really where the interesting part is because you're, you're a young man, you finish school, and you're like, you know, there's, there's no recipe to, to follow or this method or that method. It's like, how do, how, how, do, how do I get a job with an NFL team, right? It's... Yeah, I think for me, and in all honesty, part of it, I, I would say is probably pretty lucky. I mean, the timing was right. Um, you know, back in when I got the job with the Dolphins or the internship with the Dolphins in 2006, that was, you know, pre really LinkedIn or, you know, where you were really doing a lot of outreach via the internet for, for jobs. Right. I mean, you just kind of reached out to people and if they replied, you know, you, you get, you got the interview. So it probably wasn't quite as competitive, competitive as it is these days, uh, overall, but just reached out to the right people. And, you know, I think I would have taken a internship probably in any department. And the uh, one that was open was for the marketing department. And it really allowed me just to kind of enter the sports space. And like, like I said, I mean, I've, I've gotten the opportunity to learn from so many great people. 
Um, there, there were so many changes that happened while I was at the Dolphins in the 13 years I was there between, you know, we've had the team was sold during my time there, had a couple of different CEOs, which then creates a lot of other leadership change throughout. Um, but, you know, all that change created a lot of great opportunity for me personally. It allowed me just to, you know, meet and work for, for new people, see different perspectives, watch the organization change over time. I mean, you know, well, the, the amount of change that I've seen within the industry uh, has been pretty fascinating uh, overall since, again, since 2006. So because I just, you know, spent the time at the Dolphins really learning and growing. And then, um, you know, that's what, that's what led me to the opportunity with the Chargers, the Los Angeles Chargers, which, you know, it's completely different. Um, you know, the Chargers obviously spent a long time in San Diego. We were, we were born in L.A., moved up, moved down to San Diego, and then came back about you know, three years ago. And, you know, setting a whole uh, team in L.A. has been, you know, fascinating and challenging uh, at the same time. Wow. Interesting. Um, I have to ask you this, this question. Steve Ross is the um, owner of the Miami Dolphins. And he's also a very good, uh, he's sort of a mentor or friend or an, and an investor in Gary Vaynerchuk's businesses and Gary Vaynerchuk and you coming from the world of marketing. So did you guys ever cross paths? So, yeah, I mean, we used uh, Gary Vaynerchuk's agency when we were at the Dolphins. Um, Amazing. For years. So um, I would say that it allowed us to be out on the forefront of a lot of things, especially as advertising really started taking off uh, across the social platforms, particularly Facebook. Um, it allowed us to understand, you know, that relationship allowed us to understand how to use the tools and again, be out in the forefront. I mean, we were doing things pretty early in the process, testing and learning, you know, breaking things, figuring it out. So <laughs> it was really cool. I, I can't say that I met Gary in person, but worked with a lot of his people and it was, you know, it was definitely a great learning experience for us for sure. And what, and what was that experience like? Um, because Gary comes across as a bit intense, right? Because he's, he's full on. Does that come through, through his organization? Are they a bit, <clears throat> a bit more laid back? I mean, the people definitely are uh, more laid back than his persona across his social channels, for sure. I think that, you know, what was really cool working with them and um, just the culture is that, you know, it's, it's how you just approach all the different platforms, how you kind of just continue to move fast, build things, break things, learn, um, evolve, grow. You know, I think that if you, as you follow him, you can see what his, you know, how he does. And, and, and even to this day, I mean, you know, we don't work with him now, but you just see how he utilizes all the different platforms, you know, and goes into all the different platforms. And I think that that was just a really great learning opportunity. Like I said, I mean, for us, we, when, when we were at the Dolphins, I mean, we were doing, you know, Facebook advertising before as it was, you know, just coming about, you know, there was, there's no even, I don't even think there was an analytics tool. We we're doing everything through Excel documents from an analytics standpoint wow. uh, on our Facebook advertising. So it was, it was great. And then, you know, it allowed us to make really good relationships with people who worked uh, at the different um, technology companies directly so that when they were building things, they would reach out to us and, uh, we could work directly with them on some of their new product, the new product launches. So, I mean, it was, it was just a, a great opportunity to learn and grow and try to just stay out in the forefront. Um, and I mean, there's, you know, a lot of different or a couple different case studies of what, 
we did when we were with the Dolphins um, and to show the results, especially on the ticket sales side of how we can leverage the platforms. Awesome, which brings me to, to my next question. Being at the Dolphins for 13 years, um, you would have seen a whole revolution in change coming from traditional marketing to social media marketing. How was it adopting that change and having these direct resources? I mean, even what, what was it a challenge internally to also drive this change? Was it accepted? It was, you know, it was accepted. I think that, I mean, from when I started in 2006 to where I now, I mean, the industry is completely different. I don't know if there's very much the same at all, exactly. uh, especially on the marketing standpoint. I mean, you know, our budget shifted completely, um, you know, it was flipped on its head from what was a completely traditional marketing budget, you know, doing TV, radio, at a home, uh, print to, you know, a lot of those going away and really focusing on the digital channels. And we had buy-in early from our executive team in Miami that um, for that budget change. I mean, they saw the writing on the wall and I think that, you know, it probably goes all the way up to Steve Ross himself, but, you know, they saw the right on the wall for what was happening and allowed us to, you know, they allowed us to, to test things and try things. I mean, we weren't, you know, judged on every single dollar we spent. We were judged on the whole uh, in the result. So, you know, we could, we could invest in learning um, and using the data to help us, you know, change, adapt. And again, over the course of time, you know, we really saw some great success. And during that time as well, as a lot of things were changing in Miami a few years ago, there was a big renovation that happened at the stadium, um, as well as, you know, there had been years where the team had performed poorly and we had lost a lot of season ticket holders. We needed to build it back up. They made a big investment on the sales side of the organization. So from the marketing standpoint, we needed to kind of rise to the occasion and help the sales side. So we were able to really leverage all the different tools from a lead generation standpoint to generate significant um, impact from, from a season ticket sales standpoint. And again, a lot of it was just built upon learning and growing and really using our content uh, to be out in the forefront of our marketing. We found that um, the, the best opportunity was to create really good content, distribute that content wide, and then use the tools in the back end to really start you know, narrowing the focus of who we wanted to target um, you know, to bring in as a lead opportunity. Wow, phenomenal. Um, let's talk about the, the challenges you faced as a young man coming into the industry and then over the next 10 years or so. Um, so you've come in and you're just an intern or a graduate. Um, I'm sure you would have gone through a sequence of events to try and climb uh, from where you are to, to where you end up, we all have visions and goals. Taking us through those challenges, how did you adopt to such a great organization? What are some of the things that really stuck out to you? Um, how did you get around them? So on and so on. Yeah, I mean, I would say a lot of it was just finding, finding the great people within the organization, people who you know, I really wanted to learn from and who I thought could really help me in my career. And also I made a commitment um, a long time ago to be patient. Um, you know, I think that what happens a lot when we're young is we all have grand visions. We should have grand visions of where we want to go. But, you know, sometimes I think we might forget how long it takes to get there and the experience that people who, who are there, the experience they have and appreciate 
everything they've done. So, you know, like, like I mentioned, I mean, I was able to, to work directly for and work with a lot of really, really smart people and people who cared a lot about um, my future. And, you know, the time they invested in me, not only from a professional standpoint, but from a personal standpoint was really, really impactful um, overall. Cause when I sit here and I look back at, you know, who I was as a 22 year old intern at the dolphins to who I am now is a, you know, 37 year old father of two, you know, vice president at the Los Angeles Chargers. I mean, I'm a completely different person and, you know, all the people throughout my career along with my family have really been able to shape, um, you know, who I am and, and it's been, and that, that's where I'd say, uh, has been, that's what I'd say has been so impactful to me is, is really the investment that I, that people have made in me in all honesty. Wow. So the investment others have made in you. Um, let's, so some of the biggest fears that these, these young kids face is that how do I know what to do? Like, what's what does that journey look like like uh where does it start what do i study you know so that's one of the things that these these young people that want to build sporting careers don't 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 really understand i mean there's there's other experiences out there that they can learn from but there's not there's no real blueprint what would you say your top three things that you would advise somebody to do to, to build a career in sport yeah i mean you know, first off, I would say is just get started, like just start doing stuff, like just get involved, start meeting people, start building relationships, you know, and if, if there's something very narrow that you know, you're really, really passionate about, um, you know, in a department that you really want to be in, then go try to find that opportunity. But like I said, for me, I didn't know marketing was where I was going to end up. Um, I just wanted to work in sports. Marketing just happened to be, and I'm, I'm very grateful that it, that it worked out the way it did, but you know, I would say ju just start doing the work. And then once you get that opportunity, work really, really hard. Don't have an ego, you know, humble yourself and, you know, just do whatever you can to help various people throughout the organization. And don't just focus on the department you might be working for directly when you're young, but try to expand beyond that. Like anybody that you can help at any given time, um, because those are probably the people that are going to help you in the future. I mean, when you look at the sports industry, all, you know, overall, it's a pretty small industry. I mean, you know, people know each other all over the place. And a lot of times, um, you know, it's, it's people from other departments that are going to get there. And I'll tell, you know, a personal story is, um, you know, I, I found out way after the fact, but uh, when the recession happened, um, you know, in around the 2007, 2008 time, and, you know, the Dolphins had to go through, you know, they're through layoffs, just like most other organizations. Um, you know, I found out my name was on the chopping block. I mean, I was done. I was gone. And, um, uh, the, the vice president of ticket sales at the time is the one who stood on the table for me and said, listen, we can't, we can't lose Patrick. Patrick's someone we need to keep in the organization. Um, and I didn't report to him. Um, but I had built a great relationship. I had helped him as much as I could. And, you know, that bit by building that relationship, like that's part of the reason why I'm here today. Um, cause who knows what happened, right? If, uh, if that, if he wouldn't have been the one to stand on the table for me and really make sure that I made it through. Life's all about relationships and network. Um, from, from my experience, 
it's it's always a network, man. It's always a network. No Absolutely. matter where you go and come, it's always, it's always <laughs> a network. Um, you've been you've been in the football industry for a very long time, uh, thirteen years now, minimum, if if not more, with with your time at the at the Chargers. What's the biggest shift you've seen in football from a corporate level? Yeah, I mean, I would say, God, almost everything's changed. That, you know, the way um, the way we do almost, especially from a marketing standpoint, the way we do everything, we hit on it, has completely shifted focus. I mean, content, content is out on the forefront of what so many of us do on a day-to-day basis um, and just engaging our fans and how we can engage our fans through, you know, our own channels. Um, you know, when I started, you still were, it was PR driven, right? I mean, Facebook was in its nascent days. I mean, I think of the Dolphins, it was run by a guy whose title was Webmaster. Um, and who knows what we were even posting back then, right? Yeah. And then now if you look and see like everything that we're investing across all of our digital channels, whether it's chargers.com, IG, Facebook, Snapchat, you know, across the board, um, you know, that, that, that shift in focus has really allowed us to really, you know, drive our brand forward as well as drive our brand on a global basis. Um, You know, we're all, you know, small, we're really small businesses that operate on a global scale, right? I mean, we're the Los Angeles chargers. A lot of what we do is focused around LA, but through our content, we're able to reach people globally, um, you know, and quickly, which isn't, which wasn't the case when I started, Um, you know, and, and a lot of teams everywhere, like we built out, content creation departments within our organizations um you know again when when i started we had an advertising agency and they did everything for us and you know we had them on big retainers and they did all of our media buying to now i mean most teams are bringing all that in-house i mean you still use advertising agencies in some cases for your campaigns and they have a lot of value but content creation is happening internally you're, you're building out your video teams your graphic design teams your social media teams uh, motion graphics, like all those things are now happening. Data and analytics is something that, you know, um, was in the nascent, nascent stages for sports when I started. And now it's just like a core part of everything we do across the board. Um, I mean, the shift overall uh, in ticket sales has been extraordinary. I mean, you look at a time where the secondary market was really built, um, you know, during, during the, my career. I mean, Back in when I started, I mean, we had people that were selling tickets on at the corner of the stadium, right? Where now, between what StubHub's doing or Ticketmaster Exchange or all these different companies, I mean, the secondary market and how we navigate that has completely changed the way we need to think about selling tickets. Um, you know, from a, from a sponsorship or a partnership standpoint, uh, you look at what how partnerships are sold, you know, 15 years ago versus how they sold net now. It's completely different. So. You know, every the whole, um, you know, the whole focus has has really changed, especially because of how the digital landscape has changed and evolved. And that even goes all the way down to the broadcast, right? I mean, you know, how people experience watching our games, where 15 years ago is all about what you're doing on TV. Now we have to look to how we expand that, and how we engage people where they are, and what's convenient for them. And that's going to be something that's probably the most interesting thing to see where that goes in the next three to five years um, overall. Fascinating, which leads into, into my next question. Where is the future going? 
how is this game going to develop and evolve, especially in marketing? I mean, this is something that, that intrigues me when it comes to marketing because I'm a marketing, I have marketing background myself. And I've seen the change early 2010, 11. Um, I used to have conversations with people and saying, hey, your regular media channels are going to struggle because social media is going to be where all the attention is. And it's, ah, what are you, what are you talking about, you know? Media is the most powerful thing on earth, this, 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 so on, so on, so on. Little do you know, we've seen that change, you know, that shift happen. Where's, where is the future going? I mean, listen, we're going to have to stay nimble and keep evolving. You were 100% right in 2010, and a lot of people weren't ready. And, um, you know, I would also say a lot of these technology companies are young, and they're building at such a fast pace that the, what's going to be available to us in you know, it could be three years, five years, it's going to be completely different than we know now. Um, and we're going to have to just keep thinking differently and being able to adapt to the times. I mean, you know, I would say from a broadcast standpoint, it's going to be interesting is how do we reach fans on a different level? I mean, if you look at what some of the things that have happened on Twitch, where people are now streaming their games on Twitch, but instead of having the regular broadcasters or commentators calling the game, they're having esport influencers calling the game. <laughs> and you know, where again, in 2010, if yeah. you would have told us that it's not going to be Troy Aikman and Joe Buck calling the game, everyone would have called bullshit. Yeah. But like, you know, now it's not that weird. And in all honesty, for a lot of people, that's what they're going to expect because the interaction is different. Like, you know, again, to use the Twitch example, how people, you know, who are broadcasting on Twitch interact with their fans in a real time basis is fascinating. And it's something that like, if, if we don't evolve to that, or if we don't get there, we're probably going to find ourselves struggling. Uh, and you know, how, and what's going to be difficult is how do you, how do you navigate that with all the revenue streams that are coming in from your traditional broadcasts and everything else? Um, and how do they evolve? And they're, they're working on the same thing. So I would say that, you know, we're all in, in the midst of a big, you know, shift, uh, and, it's, it should be a lot of fun to, to see where it goes. I mean, what's going to happen with augmented reality. And once again, the technology, like we see, you know, I, I truly believe that we're looking at augmented reality and like, it's really, really early, early days. Once the technology catches up, um, it could be truly fascinating to how a game day experience could be changed. I mean, if you look at, you know, Google glass, which doesn't exist anymore, but if you look at what they were trying to do, they were, they were probably spot on just, you know, the technology itself wasn't quite there yet. Right. They couldn't build it, but you know, we could be at a time where people are wearing glasses and you have a digital overlay on the field um, with where the form function is something that looks like, you know, your Oakley's that you would be wearing normally. They wouldn't have this, like, you know, wouldn't be weird looking and it could, it could completely change how we're experiencing that game as just an example. Um, yeah, it's definitely going to be a bright future or actually different future and more challenging for, for marketing teams in these NFL teams or any, any sports team. Um, the Super Bowl commercials. Um, now, I, I have to ask you this question because, you know, you're a marketing executive at an, at an NFL team. They say the Super Bowl commercial changes your business for like, two years it's one of the most um most valuable marketing assets uh, in in the market it's traditional media 
but you got hundreds of millions of people watching the Super Bowl, right? Um, and you being a marketing executive, with the money that's been pumped in from these TV networks into the NFL and the eyes and, and the attention coming through, do you think that's, that's going to be a sustainable thing over the next five years? Will we see some sort of evolution in changing that? In the next five years? I mean, it's probably sustainable for the next five years. Um, but if you look beyond that, I, I don't know. Um, you know, cause, cause we are seeing a big shift, but you know, there's still, um, such a, a large audience that still does watch your traditional broadcast. I mean, that's still where the most eyeballs are. Um, and there's still a lot of value there and, and really where the most value, the most value comes from live sports, not just football, but across the board, right. For Absolutely. broadcasters now is that's one of the few things now where you can't DVR it. Um, you know, you have to watch it live if you really want to keep up with, uh, what's going on, uh, and see, see everything happening live. So the value is still going to stay there. And I think that we need to continue to, to take advantage of that. Now, what I would say though, is just how we work together to evolve that experience is something that can be done. Like, you know, just because maybe the distribution's a little different, maybe like there's ways in which, especially from a marketing standpoint, marketers can still find tremendous value, uh, from the broadcast across the board. And, um, you know, fans can still get the games, you know, in different places. I would say, you know, one of the great part about the Super Bowl commercials as well is not only, you know, it's obviously what happens during the game. And, and that's for some people, that's as big a reason why they tune in as the game itself. But it's also after the next day when, you know, you have hundreds of websites that are rating their favorite Super Bowl commercials. So it's the carryover effect that we as yeah. marketers get um, when we, you know, make that, that level of investment, which is why, again, you, you see the two year um, span for the carryover. Absolutely. Absolutely. Ah, Mr. Patrick, you've been, you've been amazing. I mean, I could talk to you about marketing and football all day long, but we, we have to wrap things up. Um, before we let you go, uh, where can people find you online? Where, where can people get, get in touch with you? Yeah, I mean, I'm not gonna lie. For my social my social media, I'm a little bit more of a creeper than I am a poster. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not I'm not very I'm I'm on the channels, but I'm not an active poster. I would say LinkedIn is a great place to find me, Patrick Arthur, uh, you know, Vice President of Marketing for the Los Angeles Chargers, um, or you know, people can email me, uh, Patrick.Arthur at Chargers.NFL.com. Happy to respond either way. That's probably a little old school way of saying it, um, but. Um, the, that'd be a great place and I'd be happy to connect with anybody. And I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. This has been, this has been a lot of fun. Hey, Patrick, man. It's been an absolute pleasure. Patrick, the world's developed and changed so much. Yeah, everybody still uses email every second of the day. So it's, it's not that old school. <laughs> it's, actually, it's actually making a comeback. Yeah. Um, awesome. Um, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Patrick Arthur, Vice President of the Los Angeles Chargers, once again, Patrick, I want to thank you very, very much for joining me on the Sports Finder Podcast. Ahmad, thank you very much. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Sports Finder Podcast. We'll catch you on our next episode. Y'all ready for this?